Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino, Patty Gasso joins us for an interview. We talk all things OU softball with Patty, and boy, she has some strong opinions that she shared with us. Y'all are going to love it. We talk some OU football by breaking down what the ESPN TV announcements this week could mean for the Sooners' schedule, and we finish up by giving you our winners and losers of the week. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right? I'm man Michael Hostie. We'll kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Thursday, May 20th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and your health and safety are Riverwind's number one priorities. There are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful, award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including blackjack, blackjack match, roulette, and craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And Fridays in May from 6 p.m. to midnight, you can win your share of $80,000 in cash and bonus play in Riverwind's $80,000 Wildflowers and Winnings promotion. If you need help finding your way, just visit riverwind.com, Riverwind Casino, simply the one. Now we're recording this on Wednesday night. Please do not forget to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and let us know who you want us to try to get on the podcast. Ted, we had many requests, and I mean many, for Patty Gasso, and we got her. Timing is everything, baby. Let's go. And I'll tell you, candid baby, right? I mean, she she roasts 
the softball selection committee, like straight up roast. Like, I don't know how else to say it. Like she lays into him. So you guys are going to love that interview. We are pumped for you guys to hear it. Um, before we get to the OU football stuff, uh, I did want to mention one thing and it, it is hard to believe that it has been 10 years since we lost Austin box and it never really gets any easier to talk about for the guys like myself that were on that, on those teams with him. But really the only thing I wanted to say is if someone, you know, is dealing with an opioid addiction, please get them the help they need. I, I know it might be awkward. Uh, I know it may, you know, cause problems for it. Like I, I know, but, have enough courage to do everything you can to help everything you can. And uh, I would just ask you to also please donate to the Austin box foundation. Uh, you can find all the information at Austin box 12 foundation.com. But this is a day that rolls around every single year, Ted. And it, it sucks. I mean, it just does. I don't know how else to put it. And you're right. And you got to keep your eyes open for it. And it's different than, than anything else because it, there is no demographic. There is, it's, it's people from good families, bad, it's injuries. You know, that's, that's the thing that starts it. Just someone has a, an injury, a surgery, get prescribed. And before you know it, um, spiraling downhill. And once it gets the tentacles on you, it is absolutely brutal. So the key is uh, talking and finding people and spotting it early. And, you know, it's, it's brutal and it's crazy. It's been a decade. It was, you know, I, I, I was still wasn't around much, but um, I talked to Brent Venables whenever it happened. And it's just, it was just brutal. I was sitting at Ted's Escondido here in Oklahoma City when Drew Allen called me and told me. And I'll never forget it. Just an awful, awful feeling. So please donate to the foundation. And please, if you have someone close to you, or if it's you, uh, get help, right? And uh, I will say this. Box losing his life was a huge wake up call for a couple of guys on that team and they changed their lives because of it. So hopefully uh, people can, can find the help that their loved ones need because like you said, Ted, it's, I mean, it's brutal. It's, it's vicious. So hate to start with that, but always feel obligated when this day rolls around to, uh, to mention it. Okay. Easy transition, right, into some OU football stuff. So, OU TV announcements. Now, not every OU fan can go to the games. So, when the games are televised, uh, what channel they are, that is important information for a lot of OU fans. Um, So, there's a couple things going on here. And when you combine it, you can start putting the schedule together. You, You can start putting some of the pieces together. Uh, just a reminder that 
the rights to televise OU games are shared by Fox and ESPN slash ABC. And those networks actually pick games they want in a draft style format. And I've been told that it's actually a pretty, pretty interesting process. So OU announced that OU Texas and Bedlam will both be on ESPN or ABC this year, which is a little different because Fox had had every OU Texas since 2016. So that's a little change up. Uh, The times won't be announced closer to kickoff, but I think we can all assume that OU Texas will be at 11 a.m. for everyone's safety. And we'll see about Bedlam there in Stillwater. Also, ESPN did announce some early season kickoff times. Alabama, Miami, Clemson, Georgia. Those are going to be back-to-back on ABC on September 4th. Notre Dame, Florida State will be primetime on Sunday, September 5th, which is kind of fun. Auburn, Penn State will be primetime on September 18th. But, Ted, there was no mention of OU Nebraska from ESPN slash ABC, which means Fox will have that game. And I assume Fox is going to be very, very tempted to make that their big noon kickoff game, which would make the biggest non-conference game and a huge recruiting weekend that has a bunch of events built around it it would make it an 11 a.m. kickoff. Very difficult. Um, there's a lot of things that are good about the 11 a.m. window, more that are bad about the 11 a.m. window. And for home games, you know, before we even start talking about the football aspect of it or the recruiting aspect of it, you know, just for like the local merchants and the city of Norman that, You know, these football games are a huge thing, bringing a ton of people several times in the fall. And let's be honest, if it's a night game, there's a lot more party and a lot more money being thrown around on Campus Corner. People uh, more likely to stay overnight in hotel rooms for the, you know, the the night after the game. And 11 a.m. kicks are tough. They really are. Um, But the recruiting aspect of it is – it's incredibly difficult. If you play in a high school football game on a Friday night, it's dang near impossible to get to Oklahoma for an 11 a.m. kickoff if you're an out-of-state guy. It's just brutal. It's tough. So, um, yeah, it, it's, it's just one of those things. There's not a whole heck of a lot they can do about it, unfortunately. It's just That's just kind of the, the rut that we've been stuck in where Fox has to find a way to dig out some ratings and that 11 a.m. kickoff gets really good ratings because everyone's sitting around their TV waiting on the, whether they're at a game or sitting at home. It's just it's a it's an easy window to get good ratings. Yeah, and I, I assume that the coaches are pissed. I talked to a couple of them, and that Nebraska weekend is a weekend where they are really trying to go all out for uh, to get a lot of kids in there because the atmosphere no matter what time you play that game, the atmosphere is going to be great, right? I mean, I I know that we poke a lot of fun at Nebraska, but it's one of the greatest rivalries in the history of college football, and people are going to be fired up for that game. I mean, it is going to be rocking, even if it's at 11 a.m., but the recruiting aspect of things matters because 
having that early kick, it it makes it very difficult for anyone that doesn't live within a couple hour drive, right? It makes it very, very difficult for those kids to get that game. And if they're planning all this stuff for this weekend, uh, what do they just not come to the game and they just hop on a flight in the morning and come for the events afterwards? I, I don't know. Yeah. But well, I assume that, and you know, the easy thing to say is like, well, that's not the biggest game of the year. The Iowa state home game is why don't they do it then? You got to remember the early signing period. And this is my guess is that they want to get in and have all these kids early in the season and get in with all the, these, these recruits and have them to your place as soon as you possibly can to make that impression with that signing window in December. If you wait until the middle of November before you host a bunch of kids and really go all out for a, for a big recruiting weekend, there may be a chance that you've already missed the boat on, on several guys. So you got to choose something early. And unfortunately it can't be Western Carolina, you know, and, and we play on the road at Tulane, you know, so it's, it just turned out to be a, a difficult little beginning to the season. How, how dare you slander the Western Carolina home opener? Did you not see that lady a will be playing a concert the night yeah. before? Yeah, that'll get, Hey, that'll keep the people. They'll, they'll come to Norman for that. Rumor is, and when they pulled all the the four and five star recruits this year, Lady A most listened to band for all the recruits out there. That sounds right. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. The baby and Lady A, I believe, were the two at the uh, the top of the list there. But that hey, fun fact: first date me and my wife ever went on in college, Lady A concert at Lloyd Noble. Fun fact. That was the first date? First date, yes. First, like, official, like, hey, I'm taking you on a date. But you'd hung out several times before that? Nah, and... not, not really. Start off with weird, bang. That's a weird first date. I know. A concert. Maybe it's, a, maybe it's not that bad. It's, like, the movie thing is, is one of the typical picks for a first date, and that's just brutal because you can't talk to each other. <laughs> You just sit there in a dark theater the whole time. Maybe a concert's better than that. A couple of beverages. It hey, it ended up working out. Okay. We're right. married. We're having a child. Good. I feel I feel good about it. I feel good. Okay. You mentioned OU Iowa State. ESPN did not mention OU Iowa State when they announced some of the big games they had this year. OU didn't say anything about OU Iowa State being an ESPN or ABC game. That's going to be a game day game. There's nothing else that weekend. It's as going to be as, game day, but is it going to be on Fox? Is the game I, actually going to be on Fox? I think it'll be ABC, premier primetime game. I hope you are right. I feel like it's going to be on Fox, which makes me worried that it's going to be at 11 a.m. Because... It, Fox will make want to make it the big new kickoff game. Like, don't yeah. you think ESPN would have said something if they had OU Iowa State? Like, it's clearly the biggest game in the conference this year. Well, OU Texas, they're the biggest brands, but you, it it's yeah. the game everyone has circled. And I don't know, I don't know how that necessarily works because I feel like there's games that maybe don't get drafted 
early or do get drafted, but it's not announced because there's a potential to flex it into that that game day window. You know, as, as some games build momentum and, like, you didn't know it was going to be that huge of a matchup, it ends up being, like, you know, primetime kickoff and game day's there and everything. Maybe that's what's going on because, I don't know, I, I, I feel like that one would have been announced if they had an opportunity to grab it and didn't think it was going to be moved at a later date. So you're basically saying OU Iowa State is in the supplemental draft for these TV networks. I mean, I, there's I, nothing else that weekend that, it, that you would want in prime time. Right. So, so I, I'm, and I'm not going to pretend like I know everything about how college football TV broadcasts work and how the entire process works, but I just thought it was odd that that game is going to be right now. It's, you know, arguably between two top five teams, you know, top six teams, top seven teams, depending on, what poll you want to look at. It was interesting that it wasn't mentioned at all. Yeah. So my fear is that Fox will have that game and it would be very, very tempting for them to make a big noon kickoff. And that would make, I I think that would make a lot of people sad because that feels, that feels like it should be a primetime game. If everything lines up the way it's supposed to line up. It totally needs to be as as long as both teams, handle their business and Iowa state doesn't lose to Iowa again in a seven to six football game. But the other thing that I think is interesting and you mentioned it, Fox has had OU Texas since what? 2016. You said, yeah. Do you think ESPN took that game because of Sarkeesian interest? Why would they draft that game this year instead of, What's different all of a sudden now over previous years? Well, I think OU's viewed as a legitimate title contender. I think that certainly factors in, right? And then, yeah, I mean, Sarkeesian, people are excited about it. It's Texas, man. It's a huge brand. I mean, a huge brand. And let's not forget, I always thought it was weird. Like, the Longhorn Network, they have this huge relationship with ESPN. You've got all these Texas guys at Longhorn Network, a bunch of them have gone to ESPN, worked through there, like, but it was on Fox. It never made sense to me that they had that relationship and didn't have the game. Because when you think back at like when we were when I was watching you play in that game, I was like, oh, it's always on ABC. Yeah, I don't so know. So I, I I don't know. It's I was trying to think what was Herman's first year? Tom Herman. It wasn't sixteen, was it? It would have been seventeen because we played him at Houston in sixteen. So that wasn't it. I don't know. I it's interesting. I don't we know. Sh- we should have talked to someone that does this stuff before we came on here. We probably sound like nah. idiots. Which is nah, that's just let's just shoot arrows into the dark night. So <laughs> OU's uh, Ted, you have uh you have voiced your displeasure about the home schedule a few times now, but it is possible that OU's two biggest home games uh, and the ones that will be re- big recruiting weekends could be rooster kickoffs. Let's hope not. Let's hope not. Let's hope that the uh, the football gods smile upon the Oklahoma program. But uh, I'm not a. I am not. I'm not going to hold my breath on that. I've, I've got a bad thing, feeling. There is one thing that's 
that's good about this year's home schedule. And it's that it's not as bad as next year's home schedule. <laughs> Excellent. That, that'll wait to look at the bright side, man. Proud of you. Okay. So for our call your shot question, we asked you guys after ESPN's announcements this week, uh, how do you feel about the possibility of those 11 a.m. kickoffs for OU Nebraska and OU Iowa State? We got a lot of responses, Ted, but a couple of our favorite. One came from Jamie. Look at us increasing the female listening population. At Jamie830715 on Twitter said, on the one hand, it cuts down on pregame drinking time. On the other hand, it increases the amount of postgame drinking time. I'm good no matter what. That's That's the way you're supposed to approach it. I like it. And it only... Cuts down on pregame drinking time. If you don't get your butt out of bed, you can start as early as you'd like, you know? Can't drink all day if you don't start in the morning, Ted. That's just <laughs> That's a right. fact. That's right. Let me ask you a question. Did you – how many – did you play in a bunch of 11 a.m. kicks? Not a ton. Not a bunch of them. Obviously, OU Texas. I actually played an OU Texas game that kicked off at – Two or two thirty? I can't remember which one it was, but it was hot. Yeah, I, I actually, from a performance standpoint, prefer it. Um, I'm one hundred percent with you, it's, and I did not realize all, that until yeah. I got to the NFL. And you just get up and you eat and you go. It's hard to sit and lay around in a hotel all day. You just get lazy and lethargic. And, you know, it's just, I, I prefer to get up and get it going. Now it's on you fast. And if you're not used to it, like if you don't play in a bunch of them, like, OU does, it's not favorable. Teams don't, teams don't like it if they don't do it very often. But if you're used to it, I think it's, I think it's good. I think it's an advantage. Yeah. Jalen Ross on Twitter says Nebraska. No, Iowa state. Yes. That could potentially be a top 10 matchup in the most important month of college football should be a 2.30 or 7 p.m. kickoff. I think you and I would both agree. That's right. And I still hope that it is. Hope. Fingers crossed. Keep your fingers crossed. And then this was too good not to read. Mason LeClaire on Twitter said, Modelo's taste the same on Campus Corner no matter what the time. <laughs> That's right. It's just numbers on a clock. That's the best way to put it. That's a good point, LeClaire. Good point. Okay, let's get to our interview with Patty Gasso. But first, First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs, checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all. Whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone, everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. First Fidelity Bank also provides free ATMs worldwide, making banking convenient wherever you are. They also give back to the community. FFB donates a total of more than $500,000 to local charities and educational foundations. Make your life easier and go bank at First Fidelity Bank. Visit FFB.com for more information. And make sure you send your kids to Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School has a long tradition of educational excellence. They know that children need to be in school and are doing everything possible to make that happen. 
Bishop McGinnis students were welcome back last August and saw very few interruptions in 2020. With a 12 to 1 student to teacher ratio, no student is overlooked. Bishop McGinnis's college prep curriculum offers 22 AP courses. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Financial aid is available. All right, here she is. Here's Patty Gasso. It is our pleasure to be joined by the coach of the number one softball team in the nation. She is a four-time national champion head coach. Patty Gasso is in the house. Coach, what is going on? Nothing much. Just uh, getting prepared for the weekend, which is going to be a tough one for us, but um, that's where our focus is. Before we before we dive into the softball stuff, uh, we need we need some advice from you because Teddy has has been coaching his six year old son's t ball team and he has he has assumed the role of first base coach and uh, the other week he was yelling at a kid so loudly that that six year old got to first base and began to cry. So is there any advice you could give him to maybe improve his coaching style? Yeah. Was it a boy or a girl that he was yelling at well, a boy co-ed or Gabe made me sound really bad. It, it was, it was a boy. A boy. Okay. I don't know that it matters if they're six years old. Uh, my recommendation would be <laughs> to <laughs> celebrate <laughs> their victories and their failures because Teddy could be the reason why this young boy never plays sports again. So you don't want him to have that on, you know, on his conscience. So you got to forget about football and get more into the young lives and where they need to go and what they need. Well, I think Teddy, Teddy may be having some mic trouble. Teddy, do, is your mic working? Uh, I there don't know. we you go. Can, you can hear me yeah. okay? Yeah, now we yeah. can hear okay. you. So you were defending well, yourself and I coach mean, couldn't hear you, Ted. Yeah, so I, – I, it was an encouraging yell. I was just telling him to, to run fast and run hard, and I guess I was just really loud. We He got over it pretty quick. We high-fived. He was good to go. He was he was okay. I think it was just maybe a, a little bit intimidating. So I, I've learned my lesson, I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. As long as he's still on the team, everything is okay. He is yeah. for now. We're, we're, he's, he's good for now. <laughs> Coach, so you, you have the Oklahoma State series there in Stillwater that leads into the Big 12 tournament. How how valuable was that series for your team, uh, especially dropping that first one and then being able to win those second two? I know, I know you put Nicole May in some really tough spots there in the circle, and she stepped up big time for you guys. Offense got going in the second and third game. So just, just how valuable was it having a tough, hard-fought series like that towards the end of the season? 
no, I, I couldn't have asked for anything better. It's, it's, um, it's very stressful. It's very intense. But if you're the player that I like, then you enjoy this stuff. You enjoy the process of what it feels like. And we talked about, okay, we've lost the first game. Let's play this weekend like it's a super regional or even a regional. So you lose your first game. You got to win the next two or your season's over. So how are we going to do that? What is that going to look like? Are you, you certainly can't play um, like afraid to lose. We've got to go in and throw it out there and play to win, no matter what. Whatever it looks like, however it rolls, you got to leave it on the table or your season would be over if we were in postseason, which we are now. So that approach really, really played itself out very well for this team. And they really felt that kind of pressure and feeling um, in a very hard, difficult venue to play in. And I think it really helped prepare us for what's coming uh, these next couple of weeks. Has that been something that you've had to deal with throughout the season? Because, you know, I, it's, it's, no, it's no secret. There's really high expectations out there surrounding this team. You know, it's been talked about as maybe your best team ever. Is it hard to, um, you know, have the team not focus on that, not listen to that, and just play game in, game out? Or is that something that you guys have had to acknowledge that those expectations are out there and just deal with it? Yeah, you know, we don't really talk too much about what's out there. Um, they might read it, but we don't talk too much about it. What I feel this team um, understands is that they know they're a good team. And they all love to play. So when they love to practice, they love to compete and practice. So when practice is over, they're like, Hey, hit me more. Hey, hit me more to the left center gap. I want to get, I want to work that and throw it to third or give me more of this instead of, Oh, thank goodness. Practice is over. I'm dead tired or I'm over this. They can't get enough. And I don't know if you've ever been on a team like that or coached a team like that. It's really, really joyful to see them all like they they really challenge each other and they all want to win every day at practice and they just want more. They just can't get enough. And I've had some teams like that, but this is a whole nother level. Um, they, they almost play like they're invincible, but at the same time, they don't care what people say or think, you know? So it's a good combination of all of it. Yeah, that's really that that that's really good to hear, coach, especially heading into the postseason. Now, you always talk about constantly improving, right? That you're you're never a finished product within a season and going through the entire regular season now, where do you think your team has to improve to reach the ultimate goal of winning a national title this season? Yeah, I think all teams would probably say the same thing. All cylinders need to be working in unison. So your pitching staff needs to be on. And that doesn't mean one pitcher has to carry your team because in this day and age, they can't do that. It's just too much. So your pitching staff has to be a force. 
your offense needs to find ways to score runs and it doesn't have to be by the home run ball. And, and that's one thing I like to see this last weekend was we, in the championship game, I think we hit one out, but we can score in a lot of different ways. So we laid down a squeeze. We had runners at second and third, hit a ground ball to the right side. That's a fundamental good job of scoring another run. I mean, Defense has got to be on point. I think defense gets lost in this game. Everyone talks about big home runs. They talk about your pitching, but our defense is winning us games, uh, whether they're stealing home runs or making timely double plays or, you know, keeping people off base with just great plays on defense. Our defense is winning us games, and I don't think people talk much about that, but that's something I pay very close attention to because it truly has won us games. Everyone talks about our offense, and, and, and they should, but our defense has got to stay on point. Um, and anything you keep our pitchers keep in the yard, we need to make plays on, and that's been our focus. Well, Coach, from a defensive football player, I hate to say it, but get used to that. Uh, no one likes to talk about defense. They're always <laughs> going to give the credit oh, to the offense. Oh, here we go. Always. Um, I wanted to ask you about, like, this this year's tournament field. Um, and just kind of in general, over, you know, as the sports exploded in popularity, have, have the, the tournament fields gotten deeper, better across, or – is there kind of like we've seen in football a little bit, is there a consolidation of, of talent at, you know, just a fewer number of teams that have just gotten really, really good? I think we're starting to see, like, um, used to be back in the day, they'd have two or three teams and one of those three are going to win it. And then you'd say, like, okay, maybe these six have a chance. I think that number's grown to about 12 where you could legitimately have 10 to 12 teams that can really win a national championship. Um, the placement of these teams in the selection, if I'm being honest, is absolutely ludicrous. And everyone is talking about it. And I don't understand it. And no one will explain it. And it has really messed with a lot of teams unfairly. Uh, where it has put other teams in really nice positions. Um, and you can look at it and go, wow, look at all these SEC teams. Look at how many, five of the eight are hosting. But you put their resumes against others. You're like, how did this happen? What are you going by? Um, there's a lot of conspiracy theories out there. Um, and it's really, really, I don't know. I just quite, you know, we grind, we grind since August. Every team has been grinding to get to this point. And then you put it in the hands of human beings that are not there every day watching what you're doing. They're not watching all of your games. They go by numbers. And I just think that there should be a little more demand for um, – transparency and why this is happening and what are you looking at and what are you not looking at and what makes you qualified to make these decisions and so forth. I, it's every year. It seems like we have problems in this area, but this is the worst I've ever seen. 
And that, that that's interesting, Coach, because you guys are the number one overall seed, but we and you you talked about some conspiracy theories that are out there. I I am one of those conspiracy theorists that I I think you your program gets a tougher draw because the women's college world series is in Oklahoma city. I, I I've always thought that, that they look at Oklahoma softball and they're like, ah, they've got what can, what is perceived as a built-in advantage. That's how you end up with Wichita state in your regional. That's how you end up with uh, a Washington or a Michigan uh, staring you in the face at a super regional. Like, do you think that that's a factor in where things get seeded when it comes to your program? You know, I've heard that your conspiracy theories from others. And sometimes I start to, I don't know. I don't know, but I, you just start to make your mind want wanders. Like what Washington, when I was watching the seeding, Washington should have been a top eight seed. And there was like no question about it in my mind. They're, they've been ranked in the top seven all season long. And they finished second in the Pac-12, which is the toughest right now to me, the toughest league in the, in the country. And you see them 16, 16. If anybody was watching, the Washington team got up and walked out. And they should have, because that is an absolute spit in their face. And I just, I was, everybody was baffled. I'm baffled that Wichita State's coming to us. And to be honest with you guys, I'm, I'm shocked we're number one. I don't think we should have been number one. Our strength of schedule didn't warrant that. But maybe you saw us on TV and you saw us hitting a lot of home runs. And you're like, wow, they're number one. If you go by all the things that they're saying they're going by, we probably should have been number three. I, I think UCLA and Alabama should have been ahead of us. And I'm okay to say that because that's the truth. But to put Washington number 16, there's, that is just not right. And you're going to say because they lost to San Diego State and uh, another team that's not in the tournament. They had two losses, but they've beaten UCLA twice. They've beaten Arizona State. They've beaten all these other teams that are in. They they absolutely jacked with the big the Big Twelve conference, unjustifiably. Oregon going to Texas. There's a underlining story behind that that I don't need to get into, but Oregon going to Texas is absolutely ludicrous, ridiculous. So some of these, some teams I feel got awarded way too high and some that were absolutely spit on. And it this makes me sad for our sport. Well, it, it I know it is frustrating. It's got to be. Like you said, you guys have been grinding since, since August. And, you know, I, I don't know if, because on it, like I was talking about, it's exploded in popularity and it makes you think, are they trying to set up where, where some of these fan bases are? I don't know, but, um, it's weird to see, and hopefully you guys pull through it, but I wanted to ask you about, cause you won your first title in 2000 and, and here we are 2021 and 
how much has this sport changed since you won your first title? I mean, the exposure, the strategy, the strength of conditioning, like even recruiting, just kind of the whole the whole process of, of what it is that you guys do. I got to imagine it's some things are probably completely different than they were back then. Oh, a million percent. One that we're talking on the radio about softball right now is <laughs> something that's a big change since I got here. We started over at Reeves Park and it was like, here's your budget. Good luck. Let us know how you do. You know, just don't get in any trouble. Do the right things. Let us know how you finish. No one paid attention back then. Um, then I think players got better through training. There's a lot of training and qualified people training these young athletes. Um, they're spending a lot of money on it. They're spending a lot of money on travel ball. They're going all over the country. Parents are broke trying to get their kids scholarships. That's one thing, the intent of trying to get your kid a paid scholarship to go to a big college. Um, television jumped on. And I, I'm not someone that says this, but I do believe that the 2000 national championship started turning the tide a little bit because it was a very exciting game and it was a Midwest team beating the powerhouse UCLA. That's won millions of championships. So it gave hope to other parts of the country and then uh, it got popular in the Southeast. Thus, the Southeast Conference started softball and putting money into it. And then television. Television has been huge for our sport. Our sport is done in two and a half hours, uh, two to two and a half hours. It's fast moving. They're good athletes. It's exciting. The players are involved. The fans are involved. And uh, it's enjoyable to watch. It seems to me that people are really enjoying watching it, that you can not spend your entire day sitting in front of the TV, but you can get, you know, watch a game in a reasonable amount of time and feel like you were entertained and enjoyed it. And it's just gotten better and better and people are gravitating to it. And it's, I guess, been the third most watched championship of, I think it's men's, Football, men's basketball, and softball is the next highest viewed championship. So um, a lot of things have gone very, very well, really well. But there's still a lot of problems that we need to get fixed in our sport. Patty, looking back to 2000, I mean, you almost left OU. Uh, I mean, I, I, I remember that. Do you ever stop and think – about how crazy it is to where, how crazy it is where you have this program at now? I think I just, I don't think back a lot very much. I just always feel like I'm too busy to reflect. <laughs> so, uh, lately I've been reflecting and I just can't believe that I've been here for 27 years. Um, my family, everything about my family and my husband's family is in California. So I did not expect that we would stay here as long as we have, but really so gravitated to Oklahoma and the people here and the upbringing my kids have had in a safe place to call home. And one, like I said, wonderful people. Um, the way we've maintained this is that I've loved what I do. 
Um, I have great coaches. I love the challenge. I love competition. I, I love it. I didn't, I'm stressed, but I love it. I love opportunities in that sense. And I love to bring that to our players. And most of all, I just feel like we help these guys figure out life a little bit while they're in our program and prepare them for what's out there. Cause there is no pro there is pro women's softball, but you're not making a living off of it by any means. So um, I just, I really try to get these guys to understand about empowerment and standing up for what, what's right, not being intimidated with life or what people bring you. And, you know, that blue collar style, I feel like that's a very important part of what I do in coaching is preparation for games, but really preparation for life and what sports can teach you about life. So I, I have that passion. I don't know how long that fire is going to burn, um, but I still have it for now. Well, you, you mentioned um, like whenever you first started, they said, here's your budget, go over there. Um, don't get in any trouble. I got to imagine the budget is so different now than it was then. And I don't know what your original staff looked like, but now you've got, you've got hitting coaches and pitching coaches and strength and conditioning coaches. And how much has that helped you guys really detail in what it means to be like a great softball player? And I just imagine like physically the players are so much different than they were, you know, back whenever you started um, more prepared, more in shape, more in shape, specialized for softball. It, it has to be really a, an, an evolution of the sport. Yeah. hundred percent. When, when I first got to OU, we're training with football, football strength coaches are training us and they don't really know about our sport. So we're kind of training and doing lifts that maybe football, you know, you guys are doing. So it was nothing really specified to our sport or the actions that we do. But I think the evolution of strength and conditioning and nutrition and all those things have changed our sport as it's changed every sport. But um, I don't know, having just, I think the salaries have been the biggest things that's changed. And the reason why I was ready to leave was I was working I had two small kids and working 24 seven and really going, why am I doing this? Cause when I put all my hours to it, I think I'm making about 75 cents an hour. Why is this worth it? Um, and then we won and things kind of changed. And I've just um, really just try to get the best hitting coach, pitching coach. Um, the hitting coach happens to be my son but I have watched him and his style of learning about not just hitting, but breathing and rest and body temperatures and things that you would never imagine have anything to do with sport have really changed in the recovery. I mean, we, we could play six games in a weekend and you're like, geez, well, we got to figure out how to recover and importance of hydration and all those things that are really becoming a factor and breathing and when to breathe and how to breathe. And it's been incredible. It really has brought out the best in these athletes. Um, it's really been incredible to watch. I, 
I heard Aaron Miller on the broadcast, which, by the way, former pupil of yours does fantastic on television. She's great. She's great. She was talking about a virtual reality pitch recognition system that these girls train on. I, that's crazy. Yeah, uh, that's a lot of JT. I'm telling you, he can do some pretty imaginatory things. Um, and it's really seemed to help our players. So we try to give them, uh, we try to make it fun. We try to make it new. We try to make it competitive. And um, I don't know, I think that's a big part of why our team is always engaged because it's always something different, something new that's being brought to them. Patty, there's, there's been a big analytics boom, right, in baseball and I'm just wondering how much as a head coach, how much do you rely on analytics? How much do they affect the decisions that you make as the head coach? Or are you still one of those people where it's kind of a gut feeling when it comes to the decisions you make within the game? That's a really good question because I watched my Los Angeles Dodgers lose a world series because of analytics, which (laughs) drove me crazy a couple years ago. <laughs> uh, I, I listen, I pay attention. Um, I think analytics can be really helpful, but I think coaches understanding of their athletes trumps that just a bit. So we talk about matchups. So, you know, Nicole Mendez, for example, we're playing Baylor and she hits a, a a grand slam over the right field fence. And you're like, wow, that was incredible. So now we're playing game two and she's not in the lineup. And then we're like, what? She just hit a great, the matchup doesn't match her swing. The matchup of pitches that are coming to her do not match her swing. Now we get ridiculed and criticized, but the people that know what's going on are the people that are there at practice every day. So parents can call me, but they don't know. People can rub us the wrong way on social media, but you're not there and you don't know what we know. And that's why we don't care. We don't listen. So really matchups definitely have something to do with it. And also the heart of the kid and the hot, is this kid hot? Is she a competitor? Can she battle this? Can she fight this? Is she had good practices? Does she deserve this opportunity? If she is successful in this opportunity, could it change her season? Those are things I think of as well. I pay attention to what people look like in the dugout and what they're doing. They may not know it, but I'm doing it. And that has a lot to do with decision-making as well. I love that. You better have the proper body language when you're hanging out in the dugout. Look at you in your eyes and see what you're made of. I love that. You better know where your helmet is. If you don't know where your helmet is, I'm going to somebody else. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Which, uh, well, I was going to talk about my T-ball team, but I think I've already uh, – that's not a yeah, good thing. Yeah, you better Take us through what it's like to get ejected. Do you have the feeling going in that – okay, uh, this is a bad call and I'm going to fight it until they toss me or is it just something that happens? Like, 
what's that whole and what's the mindset afterwards are you glad that you did it or or do you have some regret as you're walking off the field how does that go down yeah okay um i don't ever go after an umpire feeling like please throw me out they won't i've done things that i i i okay first of all let me be clear that i had no profanity is ever used in any of my ejections. I haven't been thrown out of a game for probably 15 to 17 years. I can't even remember when it was. Um, the first call I went to an umpire, Jada Coleman laid down a bunt and I felt she was safe and he called her out. And the call happened really fast and I felt like he didn't see it through. So I just had that conversation and he gave me a warning. Nobody even knew that. So then the next call uh, felt like the third baseman from Oklahoma State was pushing Jada Coleman. Jada Coleman again, pushing her hand off the bag, which she did. And the umpire came up and didn't see that. So um, I got to fight for my team. And um, I don't know that I, it's just more of like this game is very important. <laughs> You need to see it clearly. You need to see it right. We deserve the right call, those kinds of things. Um, and the more they agreed with me, the more I got upset. I just want them to say, yeah, we missed that. Okay, you know, whatever. I don't know. So I didn't even know I got thrown out. It was the softest ejection I've ever seen. Nobody knew. I didn't know. And I turned around like, did you just? do what I thought. And he goes, yeah, Cole, you got to go. I'm like, wow, can we make it a little more dramatic? Which probably made him even more mad. And um, so I walk out and I go outside the back of the dugout and I'm like, what am I supposed to do? I don't even know what I'm supposed to do. So I'm giving my son JT, I'm giving him my calling card and giving him the lineup card. And then an administrator from Oklahoma state came over and said, coach, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. He goes, let me escort you out. So he walked me out. I sat on the bus um, and listened to Chris Plank call the rest of the game. What do you think? How did Plank do? Good job? He, um, you know, his voice gets kind of high and very energetic. It makes me a little bit nervous, but <laughs> I know him. So I know that he calmed me because I know his language. So he helped calm me versus me trying to watch it. Um, I thought he did a great job. He made me very excited at the end and the way he called the end of the game and the way we walked, you know, we, Nicole May did her thing. Um, felt very good. I was very honored to have listened to him in that moment, that... but I hope I don't have to listen to him again. <laughs> Otherwise that's not Good <laughs> we're we're with you coach we love our man plank but yeah we need you we need you in the dugout i still can't believe you got ejected without profanity i didn't even know that was possible no i say it probably in a more like conduct like a snide i don't i do not use profanity i don't i just so coach, the way you your wife might say it to you is the way I say it to an umpire. Which is even worse than profanity, by the way. Right, exactly. <laughs> Just I'm exactly. so disappointed in you. You're yeah. terrible at what you do. <laughs> Coach, you always 
you you seemed, or at least the last couple of years, at least you seem to pick a, a phrase or a motto for the postseason. I remember uh, the one from a couple of years ago, right? The power of three. You got anything like that going on this year? Any sort of motto for the postseason? Yeah, I think these guys created it. Really, um, we set up the everybody in their lifetime should see Gladiator, the movie right? And our team, none of them had seen it before. So they didn't have a choice. I just put them in the movie theater and at, in Headington Hall and they played the gladiator. And the next thing you know, when they hit a double, they'll stand on second and they'll pick up the dirt and let it fall through their fingers like they're in, like the gladi- gladiator did when he's in the arena. Um, so that was something that they came up with. And now they do more the power of four. Um, it's really comes, it's a biblical story that um, they really gravitated to. So the power of three is kind of like the story of the three mighty men, leadership, I've got your back, I'll never quit type motto. And then they, um, four is the power of three, but one, which is four means for him we're playing for him and that's it's not derived by me it's not me forcing anything on them it's a a spirit within the team that creates these things I don't create it for them but I'm honored and uh, they they have got something special in besides softball and if you've ever interviewed these players or met them you would know what I'm talking about well coach we are we're fired up for the postseason, uh, can't wait to watch the regional. Uh, can't wait for super regionals. Not to get too far ahead of ourselves. Can't wait for the women's college world series. Uh, the state is on fire about softball yeah. right now this time of year. So uh, best of luck, and we really, really appreciate the time. Go Sooners! Yes, ma'am. <laughs> appreciate it, Coach. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. Well, that was about as good as it gets. Yeah, other than whenever she basically told me that I may be the reason why a kid never plays baseball again. That was but. a rough start for you. That that was a rough start for you, but all the stuff. I, I thought her just straight up saying like, hey, we shouldn't have been number one. When she said that, I was like, oh my gosh, you just said that. Yeah, yeah, and um said that about her team said other teams deserved better than what they got. Uh, you know, I, I, I thought it was great. Um, I'd love this stuff about kind of how far the sport has come and where they are now. And I think it's going to continue to grow, you know, and, and we've mentioned this, but the product is as good as it gets. It really is. It's, it's an excellent product. If you are, if you're into baseball, and you've never watched fast pitch softball before and have no ties to any of the teams, it's still an incredibly entertaining watch. It, it really is. Yeah. I mean, so it, it's just easy to watch. It just moves so quickly. There's a lot of action. I mean, it's fun. Fun, easy, doesn't last very long. I mean, she talked about That's it. That's the biggest thing. It doesn't, like, if you sit down for a baseball game where you'd have no, no dog in the hunt, like, it's an investment. I, you know, you, you are, you are setting a huge chunk of your day aside to watch a game that you've got no emotional tie to. 
a softball game, you sit down, you flip it on. Next thing you know, um, you're two innings in and, you know, it's, it, things are flying past. So, no, it's, it's fantastic. Yeah. All right, let's get to our winners and losers of the week. But first, do you own a business? If you do, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information for many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast covering coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding a loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica... I just, I just couldn't say the word client. I'm an insurance. <laughs> what was that? I got, did I just get stuck? I'm an insurance client and you should be too. If your business wants to be best in class, connect with insurica at insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A.com. Make sure you connect with our friends at Advanced Weight Loss Clinic, Sand Springs. They'll help you execute a realistic and achievable weight loss plan designed for you and only you. They've got all kinds of treatments for men and women. They're licensed and trained experts by diet and exercise with hormone therapies to maximize your results. If you're struggling with low libido or low energy, Advanced Weight Loss Clinic of Sand Springs can help with that too. They also offer Botox and fillers. To get on the path to losing weight, call 918-241-LOSE or visit their Facebook page. If you mention the podcast, you will get a free fat burner injection. As always, Ted, kick us off. Who do you have as your winner of the week? Well... I feel like going on an unprecedented 10 or 12 times in a row, it seems like. I'm going with OU softball. I'm shocked. Oh, my gosh. I'm shocked. In what was kind of a shocking move, and I don't know what pushed this forward, but the NCAA, 100% capacity for softball and baseball postseason tournament play as long as it doesn't um, get in conflict with local or state regulations. And in our case, according to OU, it's on baby a hundred percent capacity, which I'd love that for this team. They've been playing all season, playing their butts off in what 25% capacity at home. Uh, mostly the same at other places uh, across the country where they've played. They did play in front of hundred percent at OSU there to end the season, but Here we go, baby. 100%. That's great, number one, for the regionals hosting. But also, when they make it that uh, College World Series, Women's College World Series, that's going to be a nice boost for them up there as well. I can can only imagine how hard those tickets are going to be to get. And by the time they're they're on sale on the 20th at 10 a.m., and I assume by the time some people are listening to this, those tickets are going to be long gone at Marita Heights Field. I, I'm fired up for the players, mm-hmm. right? Because that's, that's one of the coolest things about playing D1 athletics. The crowds, the atmosphere, and you, you feel that. I mean, it it helps you. It inspires you with all that stuff, right? I mean, you can feel the energy in a stadium 
it had to be horrible, not just for the softball players, but for all these athletes that have been playing with no one in the stands and be miserable. So I'm, I'm fired up for the fans, but I'm more fired up for the players because I think they are just going to be revved up and ready to go. Well, the great thing is, you know, softball, it's a like baseball, for example, baseball has like a reactionary crowd. It's it's some colleges are, are different. They can get pretty rowdy, but for the most part, it's, it's kind of a reactionary crowd. There's a cheer whenever you get a base hit or when you get a strikeout. Softball's different. Softball is played generally at a constant roar the entire time. You know, the girls are, are, are screaming from the dugouts. The fans are really into it. It's loud. And in these small venues, you can hear everything. You can hear all of the chatter up there in the stands. So it makes for a great atmosphere. And OU's got a really good, really fun venue. So it's going to be awesome. Yeah, I can't. I, I wonder which parent is going to lead the cheers. There's always that one parent, you know, that leads the uh, the parent section in the cheers. So I wonder uh, which player's mom or dad has that responsibility this season. It should it's a be a big responsibility. And big. quite frankly, you're going into it with very little practice here in the postseason. Hey, big players make big time plays in big time games. They got to step up, Ted. That's right. There you go. No excuses. All right. Who do you have as your loser of the week? <laughs> it's it, you can point this at any number of people that you want, but in general, it's Major League Baseball. It's the funniest thing I've ever seen. These unwritten rules, and sometimes I kind of get it. Other times, it's ridiculous. The latest one is you've got a, a position player playing pitcher trying to end a game that they're down, I think, 14 runs in, just trying to get it across the plate. They're trying to get three outs to end the game. He serves up a 46-mile-an-hour meatball on a 3-0 count over the middle of the plate, and it gets hit 450 feet. Well, everyone takes massive offense to that, as if, you're supposed to just go ahead, since you're winning so much that you should go ahead and take an out and take a hit on your average or, or get a strikeout. It's, it's fascinating to me. A guy hits a home run in a, in a game that's already over, and that's egregious enough to throw at him the next day. How dare you hit a 46-mile-an-hour fastball over the fence? We're going to throw a 90-mile-an-hour fastball at your hip. And what's even more baffling is his manager's like, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Throw at him. I think you should have. Teach the guy a lesson. I, quite frankly, I wish the other team would have jumped him after the game outside the locker room and beat the hell out of him. What are we even talking about? Is this the craziest thing you've ever seen? Tony, Tony LaVarusa, very old school. I do want to get this in because uh, I was hoping you would bring this up. I did want to get the punt in before I forget. Uh, Yerman Mercedes gave that ball a luxury ride. <laughs> get it? Mercedes luxury uh, ride. Huh? Good. Oh well, my scale of one to 10. How, how cheesy. I, I solid 8.2 in my opinion. 
pretty good. I liked it. Thank you. I liked it. Feel free. It was nice. Feel free to use it. I'm sure yeah. someone else has said it. So if I, if, if I stole that joke from someone else, well, I that's... thought you were going to say it's the longest a Mercedes ever gone without a service call. Nice. I like Mercedes though. That's just, just they're really cool looking. Some of those new <laughs> SUVs they make, yeah. they make this like SUV coupe. I've had my eye on it, but ah, I don't think I can do it. So weird. But, weird. Why was it moved. such a big deal? Because he told him to take the pitch. Yeah, well, he said it was a teachable just, moment for a young player, all that stuff. If you've got a 3 0 count in a game, whenever you're up by a bunch of runs, they're trying to get the game over with. So you take it and you take your base. I, I it's stupid. This is, this is how I feel. And this is not how I feel about uh, youth athletics. I want to make that clear. But, from the college level on, right? So college and the pros, sportsmanship is not a thing in my head. I think sportsmanship is stupid in professional athletics. You are getting paid to play a game, and your pay is based on your performance. That's right. And if you have an opportunity to be calling up the home run category at the end of the year and, and looking at it and saying, well, we'd like to pay you more, but what, what happens if there's a home run incentive in his contract? He gets served up a meatball. Yeah. He's going to hit that thing over the fence. He's going to do that as many times. I, I do not understand. And baseball is probably the worst with all the unwritten rules, but it's like the thing in football, like, oh, I can't believe they scored on that drive in the fourth quarter. It's like, stop them. I mean, this right. is professional sports. Here's the, here's the one thing that I do need to say. Personally, I really I enjoy it. It's, it's stupid. I, I'm, it is totally stupid. But when the bench is clear and you got beef going on, it makes it more enjoyable for me to watch. So if they want to have the stupid unwritten rules, I'm all for it. I'm just going to talk about how ridiculous it is. And here's the thing. We watched uh, the night before a guy get hit in the face with a 95-mile-an-hour fastball and exploded his nose, right? And he does a, a post-game or, or whatever, an interview the other day, and his whole face is just, he's got fractures everywhere. His nose has moved over uh, an inch. I mean, that's the danger of throwing a baseball at someone. And I'll freely admit that I think there's things in baseball that are worth throwing at somebody. I do. I think, I think the game does have a tendency to regulate itself, and I'm fine with that. Again, it makes it more entertaining for me. But hitting a home run in a 16-2 to two game on a 46-mile-an-hour meatball does not rise to the level of throwing a baseball at someone. I'm sorry. It just doesn't. If anything, you turn around and you laugh your butt off at how far he just hit that meatball that was served up by a position player. I, I just don't get it. I, I, what is it like, hey, man, you just got to – let them walk you or like, I don't, I don't understand. Hey, I, I just don't get it. Here's the other thing. We need to create some type of chaos in baseball players lives 
to where they don't take a 16 to two home run off a 47 mile an hour ball so serious. Like, can you think of the conversation in the locker room after the game that how dare he do that? Are you kidding me? That's we're gonna get we're gonna get him back for that. I hope you guys are ready because whenever he's up, I'm throwing at him. You guys got my back. I'm throwing. What are we talking about? These guys need to go get in a real fight somewhere. Who who makes the decision to throw at someone? Right? Is there is there a conversation in the locker room to, for the pitcher the next day? Like, hey man, you know what you got to do, right? Like, I that conversation has to take place, right? I it does, but I I don't know. Maybe they're all wasted after the game whenever they start talking about it and make stupid decisions and then follow through with it the, the next day. Well, what are we talking about? I Tony Larusa is their manager, so uh, <laughs> I don't. You know, you know, there's it's probably well stocked in the clubhouse. It's, it's, it's just a, it's amazing to me. They need to let these guys actually fight because if you actually let them fight and you don't have 400 people go out there and hold each other back and you have to actually stare down the guy you just threw at and fight him fist to fist, face to face, there won't be a whole lot of people throwing at one another. There won't be a whole lot of showing up a pitcher that's a a guy that's going to come after you. That's the way you really let them police themselves, not this childish stuff. I have I've said this for basketball as well because there's nothing worse than fights in the NBA. I don't think a single punch has ever been landed in one of those fights. They should they should have some rule similar to hockey where they get like 15 seconds in baseball and they just they go to the pitcher's mound. You got to stay within the mound, close quarters, just fight. You give them like 15 seconds. You go just to the first them, one to go, as soon as they the go to the ground, you you break it up. Yeah, I, hockey's great. I love it. And for the most part, hockey, the fights in hockey are, are really safe. You saw the thing. Who was it? It was the Rangers and, um, oh gosh, who was it? The guy got slammed dirty. And then the next game, as soon as they dropped the puck, everyone on the, the, the ice dropped their gloves. There's four fights at the same time. It was awesome. Just, they all looked at each other, <laughs> gave each other a nod, and they're like, all right, we're doing this. <laughs> like that scene. It's like the scene in the replacements. Yes. Yes, exactly. Okay. Guys, spring is here, and you know what that means. It's hard seltzer season, baby. And there's only one hard seltzer that we drink on this podcast, and that is Will and Wiley hard seltzer from Coupe Ale Works. It's perfect for any occasion. We drink it by the pool, at the lake, and at the tailgate. It's made in Oklahoma, and it is absolutely delicious. Will and Wiley is customized for the Oklahoma lifestyle. Go find it right now in your store near you and go follow them on social media at at Will and Wiley. If you're drinking some because of us, tag them, let them know. Okay, my winner of the week, thought about going with Friends fans. I was like, maybe we could do something a little different because HBO Max dropped a Friends reunion trailer and it looks like it's going to make every person on earth cry. I mean, it looks fantastic. And I Jennifer Anderson still looks the exact same. It's It's unbelievable. I mean, it's unbelievable, but also thought about going with OU golf. I mean, they were in a hole out there in Albuquerque in the regional, but went 10 under 10 under in the final final round and found a way to finish fourth 
in advance to the national championship. I, we all were sweating that one out for the number one team in the country. I was like, what? Can you imagine having to, now you got a par five, 18, which is nice, but can you imagine like your whole time, whole team depending on you and you've got to make par on 18 to advance and, Every shot, just nerve-wracking. He goes out and birdies it. No big deal. We're fine. Let's go. Uh, on and two, 35-footer for Eagle. Just amazing. Nails. If it was up to me, oh, boy. Uh, that's – I'm not ready for that, Ted. I'm working on the game, but I'm not ready for that. I'd be like – you know, remember in Happy Gilmore, I think he's got four putts to get it there, and he's hitting like it all over. it. <laughs> that's exactly what i would do uh but my winner of the week is rory mcelroy okay because things appear to be lining up for mr mcelroy they appear to be lining up awfully well for him to finally win another major it has been a while but the pga championship at the ocean course on kiowa island gets going on thursday and when you look at Rory coming in, right, won the Wells Fargo two weeks ago. So you kind of shook off that long, winless streak. He's long off the tee. Uh, he's great with the driver. And this is, I believe it's going to be the longest course in the history of any major. Wow. Like, it's playing real long. And he won the PGA at Kiowa back in 2012 in one of the most dominant wins of his career. A ton of people are picking him to win the PGA Championship, but are too many people picking him? It makes sense, Ted, but this this feels like a situation where you tell me that it's just too good to be true. No, I hey, I like I like Rory. He's guy. He's been struggling for a while now. Honestly, and, you know, whenever you're young. And the only focus you have in life is your sport, your passion, and you spend every waking moment on it. It's easy. It gets way more difficult as life piles up more and more responsibilities. You know, you, you win more, you get paid more. When you get paid more, you have more things that you got to do, more appearances, more commercials, more people pulling you in a bunch of different directions, uh, relationships happen, children happen, and you've got to make those decisions on where you're going to spend that time. And it just gets more difficult. And he's found that out. It's crazy. I think he's 32 now, which makes me feel incredibly old, but I, I like where he's at right now. I think he, he's got a new swing coach uh, that's part of his team. He's still got his old coach, but I, I like it. I think it's a good pick. There are some other fun storylines for the PGA. I mean, there, there's been quite the streak of, you know, guys winning a major for the first time in the PGA championship. And we've got probably the two most likely, the most logical picks there for guys who would be their first one would be John Rahm and then Xander Shoffley. Uh, I feel like Xander Shoffley has been all around it, man. I know he's, he's been close, but Rom now kind of a little more settled, right? Remember baby had just been born right before the masters who know much, who knows how much practice he'd been getting in, but it, it seems like one of those guys, it's only a matter of time, but we said that about Ricky Fowler for a long time. Now, John Rom's super young. He's going to, I'm not yeah. concerned about John Rom, but it, I, I also 
think it, it's going to be fun to watch the guys with local ties, right? Victor Hovland, Abraham Answer, both of those dudes are bringing in a lot of momentum into the tournament. So it's going to be fun to watch. And there's some really good groups in the opening rounds. I, I, you've got Rory, he's playing with JT and Kepka. Now, Kepka's still limping around on that knee, but that's an, I mean, that is an awesome group you've got. And that's a group that can, they all hit it really well off the tee and, and can pummel the ball. So they, they could play really well. You've got the last three major winners all together. Uh, Morikawa, Matsuyama, and Deshambo are in a group. You've got Rom, Fleetwood, and everyone's favorite, Patrick Reed. The guy could golf, even if no one likes him. The guy could I got to imagine, you know, because Rom, he runs hot out there, you know, at himself mainly, but he he's a – uh, passionate golfer, I guess you would say. I wonder. I wonder how him and Reed are in a pairing together. I wonder if that's like, you know, a good mix, a bad mix. Maybe it doesn't matter. I don't know. Remember the fight circle we just talked about for baseball? <laughs> Throw him on a tee box. Let him go at it, baby. It's one of the you know when you hit it in the water and they got the drop zone. That's a little chalk circle. You just exactly. go over to the drop zone and fight. <laughs> <laughs> all right boys and uh, poor fleetwood the little uh you know little british guy stuck in between those two guys That's hey, he'd just be announcing it that'd be awesome <laughs> you also spieth is with webb simpson and will zalatoris so speed zalatoris that'll be fun yeah um the you Zalatoris. love speed i love speed uh he's not gonna win the thing hopefully he hits it uh, in the water the entire weekend. I wonder though, because he's one of the, he's one of the golfers out there that is not a long hitter. Um, he's gotten a little bit better, I believe, but not known for, for hitting the ball really long. And if this is one of the longest, maybe the longest, uh, major ever, I, I don't know how much that's going to affect him. If it's, if it's going to be that big of a deal for him. So everything I've read and watched basically said that, yeah, it, it's long, but the key is your iron play. Like the second shots are the key, yeah. or at least that's from the majority of stuff. That's what I've been able to gather. But certainly, I mean, length is going to matter. It always does, unfortunately for us. <laughs> make, uh, that's right. make of that what you will. All right, my loser of the week. Thought about going with North Carolina football because I could not believe this when I saw it. So they went eight and four last year. Respectable year. Lost to AM in the Orange Bowl. Uh, they had rings, rings made for last season that say state champs on them, Ted. State champs. They beat NC State. They beat Wake Forest. They beat Western Carolina. They beat Duke. So they are the state champs. I'm when I saw this, I just imagined someone trying to hand you that ring when you were a player and you just throwing it out the window or just like throwing it in the trash right when they handed it to you. I I don't understand how stuff like this happens. So I get that in recruiting they're give they give out rings more often because they want to sell that in recruiting and show like this is the ring that we got for this and that and whatever 
I get that kind of, but do you not have any like self-awareness at all? Mac Brown should know better than to do something like this coming from a program as big as like Texas, although this is a very Texas thing to do. The problem is they can't win their state. You know, whenever you give yourself a ring for beating a bunch of bad football teams, not good programs, you are like, you separate yourself from legitimate programs. There's no way a recruit says, ah, dang, you guys beat Duke. Woo! Let's go. Let's get it. If anything, this is a T-shirt that the guys wear in a workout or something. That's it. Be a nice T-shirt. You can't put it on a ring. What you say is, unfortunately, guys, this year our schedule's terrible. We're playing a bunch of teams from North Carolina. Let's go win the state. And then you wear the T-shirt on, like, Fridays during team runs and summer workouts. That's it. It ends right there. You don't make a ring. Oh, it's embarrassing. That's bad. Uh, I also thought about going. Speaking of bad, I also thought about going with Marv Albert, and I feel bad because he just announced or just got announced he's retiring after this season. He's been doing it for like sixty years, but he called Aaron Neesmith from the Celtics, Marcus Smart, <laughs> like ten times during that game they played against the Wizards, and it was so distracting at some points that like it didn't register to me that Jason Tatum was about to have 50 points in the game because I was just like, is Marv Albert, is Marv Albert. Okay. Is everything all right? Like, is he, is he, is he good? Talk about mailing it in. You know, it's like, I announced my retirement. I'm good. I don't even care who's out there. Yeah. I don't know. That does make you wonder a little bit though. You know, I can get it if it's a football game and Maybe your spotter is screwing it up, but I can't imagine he has a spotter in a basketball game. You've got 10 guys out there on the floor that are, you know, all well-known. I mean, it's not that difficult to know who the players are. Yeah, it was for one of the best to ever do it. It was, yeah. it was one of those moments where I was like, damn father time, man, undefeated, but it was, yeah, well, I just, I felt bad. Cause I was laughing every time it happened. I was like, oh, he did it again, <laughs> but that's it was so funny. I still love you, Marv Albert. I'm sorry. Even though some of the stories about that guy, whoa, freaky <laughs> dude, freaky dude. Got it in. But my loser of the week, the Los Angeles Clippers, because that was ridiculous what they pulled against the Thunder. Everyone knew the Thunder were trying to lose. And the Thunder trying to lose is one thing, right? Everyone knows they're tanking. But for the Clippers to lose on purpose, and everyone knows they're losing on purpose, to avoid the Lakers in the second round is embarrassing. That is a bad look, man. It is a bad, bad look. I I don't understand having that mentality going into the playoffs thinking you can win a championship. I just don't understand completely ducking a team. Wasn't it just a year or two ago when Steve Ballmer and Paul George and Kawhi said that they were going to make L.A. a Clippers town, right? They were going to take L.A. over. I hope 
the Clippers get their asses kicked in the playoffs. <laughs> I hope Luka Doncic has 45 a game on them in that for in that opening round series. Like I hope the Mavs embarrass them. But almost the best thing that could happen now we're recording this before the Lakers Warriors games take place because they're not playing it till like midnight on Wednesday <laughs> night. But it would be so funny if the Lakers lost to the Warriors and ended up as the eight seed. And then the Clippers had to play him in the second round anyways. They just got their asses whooped by LeBron and AD. Like that would be so satisfying to me. But I, it just, it just, it felt gross. Like everyone knew what the Thunder was doing, like, and they understood it. And then everyone saw what the Clippers were doing. And there was NBA coaches and executives, you know, putting out anonymous statements like this is embarrassing. They're not even trying to win the game. The stuff they're running, it was, it was gross. Well, I agree a hundred percent. But it still makes me mad that the Thunder, they've been doing this all season. You got to take it out of the players' hands. And if anyone's hot, yank them. There's no way you should win that basketball game. I don't care what you do. Run out on the floor and tackle your guys if they're hoisting threes. Do Poku. not let them win that game. Poku hit the game winner. What? <laughs> what are you doing? I mean, what? But let me ask you this. Is there any way that, and this is conspiracy theory, I get it, but is there any way that this is just kind of what the league wanted to happen? Right? They don't want the Clippers and the Lakers playing in the second round. They I, want that I, later. I see what you're saying. But, they want the know, LA on LA yeah. conference final. I, I understand what you're saying, but I I mean they sat all their guys and then a lot of times it didn't even look like they were trying. I don't know, man. It, it no, was, they were didn't look like they were trying. Of course they weren't trying. It's amazing. I I'm just trying to imagine what that conversation in the locker room is like. Like, hey, you want to play the Lakers? Uh, no. You want to play him? No. All right. Guess we're losing then. Hey. All, right, all right, guys. Listen, we all know the thing here. We're all scared of the Lakers, okay? So let's do everything we can to go lose this game tonight. Last thing we want to do is play him in the second round. What a bunch of pathetic losers. And really, it speaks to a deeper issue with the NBA. And I don't know what the answer is. But you you – will not draw new people to watching your league whenever tanking is rewarded, when losing is rewarded. It's just it, – and I, I get that it's, it's kind of how it has to be set up to a, a certain degree, but it's – honestly, it's really bad for the league, man. It is, it's a terrible look for the league. Yeah. They flatten the odds and did oh, and Thunder update. Uh, so they no longer have the top odds for the number one pick or a top or the top odds for a top four pick. 
since they finished tied for fourth, or excuse me, tied for the fourth worst record with the Cavs. Uh, For those of you that don't know, that tie to determine whether they will be fourth or fifth will be broken on May 25th by a coin flip. I hope they televise that because that would be awesome. But this is all the Clippers' fault. Thunder were a perfect spot to finish in the bottom three and to have the best odds. And the Clippers being scared of the Lakers messed it all up. And on that note, episode 113 in the books. We'll have a new podcast that'll drop Monday morning. Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from 2 to 6 on Sports Talk 1400. You can hear me on SiriusXM Big 12 Radio, Channel 375. Hope you all have a great weekend. Till next time, we appreciate you all for listening. Do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other. Just one.